You're listening to Moving Business Forward Faster, a podcast by the United Nations Global Compact. This is an infinitely solvable problem. Convene businesses around a large, ambitious goal. It's mm-hmm. the right thing for our business. It's the right thing for society. Moving business forward faster. Forward will help us all together as a community to drive progress on the sustainable development goals. It's time to move forward faster. Welcome to the podcast, Moving Business Forward Faster, your insight into how businesses are shaping a sustainable future. I'm Adam Roy Gordon, Executive Director of UN Global Compact Network USA. For those of you that aren't familiar, the United Nations Global Compact is the UN's corporate sustainability initiative with over 22,000 signatories in over 160 countries. The Forward Faster initiative is all about sparking a movement where businesses don't just pledge to be better, but also put their progress on display for the world to see, encouraging a race to the top in sustainability. This podcast showcases the Forward Faster initiative and guides us all towards the 2030 agenda. With just seven years left to meet our goals, we invite leading corporate voices to discuss their company strategies in five areas of action, climate action, living wage, gender equality, water resilience, and finance and investment. Today, we're tackling the theme of water resilience. This is a topic that often fails to get the attention it requires. If climate is the shark, then water is its teeth. As such, Network USA is launching a new report from ripples to waves to highlight leading corporate water stewardship actions. With us today, we have Sonia Thamaya, Senior Director, Global Sustainability at the, the Heineken Company, to talk about water stewardship at her company. Welcome. Hello, Adam. Nice to be here. Thanks for being here. So, we all know Heineken beer, but of course, Heineken is more than just a beer company, right? So, I'd love if we could just start with understanding a little bit more about what the Heineken Company does, and since we're here to talk about water, if you could contextualize it in your larger sustainability strategy. Thank you, Adam. It's brilliant to be here. Thank you so much for asking me on this podcast. As you said, Heineken is absolutely known for beer, and that's because we are the most international brewer. We have over 200 breweries in over 70 countries and a footprint in 190. So it's pretty broad, but we do do more than beer. So we make wine, spirits, seltzers, and we also have the leading brand when it comes to 0.0, the non-alcoholic beers, which is one of my favorites. So pretty broad and very international as a beverages company as much as anything else. You asked me about sustainability. um, And the other thing that makes Heineken unique is we are a family-based company. So Heineken was set up by Herard Heineken, who bought his first brewery in 1846 in what was then the outskirts of Amsterdam. It's now in the heart of the city. And when he set it up, he knew that the business would not thrive if the community around him also did not thrive. And actually, water was at the core of one of the things he really wanted to contribute. So water access was a key pillar of how he wanted to do business. Fast forward to where we are now, sustainability is also very much integrated into our business strategy for growth, which we call Evergreen. And in 2021, we launched our updated set of ambitions, which we call Brew a Better World, which looks at what's the contribution that we can make across three pillars, environment, social, and responsible consumption. We're going to talk a lot about the environmental pillar today, but for me, what's really important is that we look at this as an integrated agenda, where you understand the linkages across all three. 
It's fantastic. So let's dig right into the topic of the day. Um, considering that over 2 billion people currently lack access to safe drinking water, what does that mean for Heineken? How is Heineken aligning its water resilience initiatives with the global urgency of this issue? Yeah, and water is absolutely critical to a company like Heineken. As you can imagine, without water, there is no beer. And for us, we see it manifesting itself across our value chain. So we see it really important upstream with our suppliers. And if you think about agriculture, 90% of our water footprint is with our agricultural suppliers. We also have our operations, which are key. And even though breweries may not be the biggest users of water in a lot of the communities, we still recognize that we have a responsibility to use as little water as possible and to be as efficient as we can. And of course, we have a responsibility also to the communities where we operate and source to think about how does water affect them? So in 2019, we brought out a new water strategy, which at the heart of it was about water security and the long-term protection of critical watersheds. We came up with targets um, to really have a North Star in terms of what we wanted to do and the change we wanted to achieve. And we started with our operations because we have an absolutely a responsibility there. So we have a target for our breweries to use 2.9 hectolitres per hectolitre. So it gives you the balance between how much we use in our products versus how much water we use. And that's globally. And we have a higher standard in areas that are water stressed because we want to use less water there. So we have 2.6 hectolitres per hectolitre. But for us, that's just the starting point. You know, if you look at water and how it manifests itself, we also have a target to be fully water balanced in sites in water stressed areas by 2030. And that's where it really hits what Forward Faster is about. The link is there to have, 100, to have water positivity in 100 critical water basins globally. We really want to contribute to that. Hmm. And we're huge believers that the best way of doing that is through collective action, which is why we're delighted to be part of this initiative. That's fantastic. Can you tell me a little bit more about that engagement with the local communities? And, and while we're at it, you know, what are you doing with governments? If you're working around the world as, as Heineken is the most global beer brand, most global beverage brand as well, forgive me. Um, but how are you working with governments around the world in addition to local communities? I have to say we're the most international beer brand. Okay. Uh, beverages is a wider playing field, I have to say. Um, when, it, when it comes to water, we see it very much as a shared resource. So really understanding the needs of local communities and other users in the watershed is absolutely critical in the design of any program, very frankly. Um, and for us, when we look at it, water also manifests itself very locally. So what's important in Indonesia is very different to Spain, is very different to Mexico. So designing programs that are rooted in the local context is absolutely key. So the way we engage is very different depending on where we are. We've got some amazing examples of public-private sector partnerships that we have in places like Malaysia and Spain, where actually the public sector has really wanted to develop that part of it. So for example, in Malaysia, we have a river rehabilitation program which we've had since 2008. And that's done in very close connection with the local government, the local community, NGOs and others. In Spain, we're working with a number of partners in the Danana National Park, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site and absolutely critical in terms of migratory birds. And there it's about wetland protection. But then switch to somewhere like Ethiopia, for example, where our programs are much more about community-based action and really understanding what farmers need, for example, in the areas near where we are, and to say, okay, how do we look at the right agricultural practices, think about water conservation, and other measures to look at this 
across the patch. So that contextual piece is really important. But for me, the third element that we see, which again is really linked to what we're talking about today, is collective action. Given the complexity of the water challenges that we see, no one player, no one actor can do it on their own. The real magic happens when you get a number of organizations, a number of users who come together in a local watershed to really understand the needs and have long-term programs that really drive water security. So just to bring it to life, in Indonesia, we started working in 2014 um, in a program. And we said, right, let's start a reforestation program. And a lot of people don't recognize that reforestation actually helps replenish the local watershed. So we started there. And then we realized that actually it was good, but we could go much further. So in 2016, in partnership with Unido, we brought the local stakeholders together to say, okay, where could we take this next? And it evolved into something that was really important for the local community around bamboo cultivation. It deterred illegal loggers, but it also had the benefit of an income stream for the local community. Great, but still not enough. So in 2021, along with Coca-Cola, Danone, L'Oreal, Nestle and Unilever, we set up a collective action program, working with the local government, working with local NGOs, working with the Alliance for Water Stewardship locally to really say, how do we bring the different players together to understand the different priorities and how do we drive the right programs to really have systemic change for the long-term protection of the watersheds where we operate. And that's when we see the results. So when we talk about results and we talk about progress, where my mind goes and where the Forward Faster initiative goes is how you're measuring progress. In order to demonstrate what you're doing, you have to begin with the process of measurement. And so what I'd like to understand is how does Heineken measure its water footprint uh, and how does it measure the success of its water resilience programs? Yeah, no, absolutely. The measurement is absolutely key because it's one thing setting a target, but then how you're progressing against it requires measurement and transparency. So uh, on water efficiency, it's, it's relatively straightforward. Um, I'm sure the people involved in it wouldn't say that. Um, but there's a complexity of what happens in our breweries. We have water meters, we have systems that are all connected. We have a program called Connected Brewery, where the measurement all cascades up. The bit that's more complicated is for our target around water balancing, which actually directly feeds into the Forward Faster initiative about being water positive. How do you measure water positive? So for us, we have 32 sites that are in water stressed areas, and we've started water balancing in 27 of them. And we use a methodology called volumetric benefit accounting, which is a methodology that came from the WRI, because we want consistency in how companies do this. That's really important. Also, what's important is credibility. Phrases like water positivity sound great, but unless you have the concrete measurement behind it, yeah, how are you really proving that you are giving back more water than you use in your products? So for us, that methodology is important. And we use external partners like Limnatech, who do a lot of the water assessments to really understand you know, how do we measure very different actions, which can be reforestation and nature-based actions, or things around improving infrastructure for water. So these mechanisms help us measure. But for me, that's just level one. What do you do with that information is really key. The next piece is how do we integrate that into our governance? So in Heineken, we have really robust governance around sustainability. It starts with the supervisory board, so right at the top. And we have a sustainability and responsibility committee, which meets three times a year. We also have something at the executive board level and with our executive team, which is another sustainability committee, and that meets six times a year. That's got the CEO, it's got the CFO, it's got the heads of function, 
And we have really meaty conversations about how we're progressing across the sustainability agenda. And water is front and center. In fact, we talked about water in one of these committees just on Friday. And we looked at what's our progress. And it's not just about congratulating ourselves, it's about fixing problems. Where are the issues, where are the challenges? How do we really address those in a meaningful way? And the last piece of measurement is also transparency and reporting externally. So as well as the governance of drive action, it's about that external manifestation of it. And we report um, through our annual report. So we've had sustainability integrated in that for many, many years. And we talk about our progress on water, but we're also reporting into CDP. So the collective action of many can be compared. So measurement is key, but only if that is then used as an enabler to drive the actions and provide the transparency that stakeholders are really looking for. I think that's fantastic. I mean, going from governance down to reporting and, and the, every action you're taking, it sounds fantastic. But of course, I'm sure you have some large challenges to overcome. Uh, and I'd like to just, instead of going through the list, let's, let's start with the biggest. Um, you know, can you walk me through the biggest challenge for Heineken, particularly in maintaining water resilience? And most importantly, how are you preparing to address that challenge or, or meet that challenge? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. Um, and the, the biggest challenge we have is the scale and the speed of change. So as I mentioned before, we have 32 sites in water-stressed areas. We expect that to double by 2050. And actually, possibly even before that, very frankly, if we see what's happening globally. So for us, firstly, understanding not just sites that are in water-stressed areas now, but what's the forward trajectory is really important. And how do we start addressing it before it becomes a problem? So that proactive attention is really important. We also need to think about how do we integrate water into our business planning processes? So it's not an afterthought. Let me, let me just give you one example. So when we build a new brewery on Greenfield, as we call it, we build a brewery for 80 years. It, it's not a short-term venture that we have. And for us, what's been really important is to say, okay, let's try and understand not water stress now, but what are the climate projections that we're seeing in 2030, in 2040, in 2050? So firstly, we select the right location for the brewery, but then we also understand how do we design it right from the beginning in a way to, yes, be efficient, but also how do we interact with the community? What are the interactions of the users? How do we think about water, not just for the brewery, but much wider within a community context as well? And what we've started doing is integrating those forward projections around climate. So if we're going to build a brewery, a new brewery, we look at different locations and think about things like water stress, flooding, other climate events, as well as community movement, so we understand how this is going to play out in the future. So for me, that scale and speed of change is a huge challenge because, yeah, especially as we come up to 2030, we, we, we don't know what we're going to face. But really, the key for me is to integrate it into our business planning processes and to be proactive and not just look at the operations of the next year, but have that future projection which helps us really build resilience for our business. It's really fantastic to have so much engagement from the top down and the way you're incorporating water resilience and sustainability into your strategic planning is critical. But of course, Heineken has many thousands of employees around the world. How do you involve them in this? How do you educate them about water sustainability practices? How do you get them excited about this? Yeah, it's, it's, it's again one of those things where most people are interested in hearing about sustainability. Actually, things have changed a lot in the last 10 years even, very frankly. So you're pushing on a bit of an open door in terms of people being receptive to it. I think it's about 
moving people from awareness to action and really thinking about how you do it. So level one in terms of awareness comes with, you know, what's the training you're giving? What are the repetitive pieces of information and communication that you provide to build that level of awareness. So we have a Brew a Better World Academy um, where centrally people can access training. Um, so we've got very robust training when it comes to climate change, for example. And we started it off as a generic training package. And now we've evolved it to really look at what does it mean for supply chain? What does it mean for procurement? What does it mean for finance? We're increasingly at the table at these conversations. So to bring it from the here's what it means to this is what it means for you in your day job, I think is really, really important. Fantastic. And actually, the other piece, I think, is engaging hearts and minds as well. And this is where what our local operating companies are doing is really inspiring. So we have um, Ethiopia, again, who had this amazing day to engage their local employees on sustainability. And just last week, I heard about Indonesia. And Indonesia has a program called Eco Hunters, where they're using a, a video programming to really engage their employees to explore what are the three elements of our environmental pillar mean? Carbon, secularity, and healthy watersheds. What does it look like? They then get to interact in real life with people who are champions, and they also get to interact with some of our partners via video. So it's this experiential journey where they talk about what they've learned and what does it mean for them that really brings it to life for individuals. And we wrap it all up in terms of systems as well. So in terms of people, we decided to also make sustainability a key part of how we incentivize our senior managers. So as part of our executive remuneration, our long-term incentive plan has three KPIs that are related to sustainability, carbon, water, and gender. So it's a measure of packages to really engage and inspire action. But for me, it's really about starting with that awareness raising and then bringing it back to what does it mean for me in my day job and how can I contribute? It seems like you're taking engaging your staff from the top down again uh, incredibly seriously, but the impacts that Heineken has isn't just internal at your companies, and it's not just in the communities you serve. It's also with your suppliers. You mentioned how you engage procurement in this process. How does Heineken ensure um, water sustainability throughout its supply chain, particularly in water-scarce regions? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think the supply chain is probably one of the most complex because it's vast, it's wide, it's fragmented. We're talking about a lot of people, essentially. Um, as I mentioned before, 90% of our water footprint is in agriculture. So for us, the starting point is to understand that footprint better. So where are the commodities? Where do we source them? How do they interact with water, both in terms of water quality and quantity, as well as looking at water access, sanitation, and hygiene? How does that play out in our key locations? And then it's also understanding the different characteristics of the crops that we have. So some are much more naturally water-hungry than others. So you look at sorghum and rice and maize and hops. It, it tends to have a different profile to barley. So barley is our biggest agricultural commodity, but it's actually relatively less water-hungry than the others. But it's not just about quantity. It is about quality and wash as well. So looking at it as a joint-up piece. For me, when we talk about our suppliers, it's really about how we engage them. But again, I think this integration piece is really important. It's not looking at water on its own. We just don't have a conversation about water. So we have a low-carbon farming program where we have 200 pilots globally, which is really at the heart of it about how do we reduce the emissions of carbon, but also how do we improve the soil to enable carbon sequestration. Water is an element of that. But then you also need to look at other aspects like biodiversity and soil health 
And all of that, you can't look at it in isolation to the well-being of people. So when we engage with suppliers, it's not just about talking about water, but it's about having this integrated agenda, but also really understanding that it's about improving the well-being of the people who are involved in the value chain as well. I want to ask so many different questions after hearing that, but I'm going to, I'm going to take it in a particular direction. Uh, you, you mentioned some of the carbon sequestration work that Heineken's doing with its suppliers, and we, we hear about carbon efficiency a lot uh, in sustainability work. We hear less about water efficiency, and so I was hoping you could help educate us a little bit more about water efficiency and particularly what Heineken is doing to embed that into their work. We talked about planning an 80-year brewery. Mm. And of course, how do you plan for an unknown future? What what we do know is that water availability Mm. and water demand, there's going to be a major gap. So water efficiency is going to be an issue. You know, help us understand. Yeah, so so we have a wonderful team in supply chain who really think about water efficiency in a strategic but also in very practical ways. So for us, a lot of this is about leveraging best practices globally. So we have a brewery in Mexico called Mioki where they've managed to get water efficiency down to two hectoliters per hectoliter. And if you think that our target globally is 2.9, that's a real achievement. And it's a case of how do we leverage that in other places like Vietnam to say, what is it that they're doing that we can share in, in other locations? So we have a compendium. I don't think they call it that. I'm sure they've got a better word than compendium. We'll, we'll but they have it. a laundry list of good practices, which they share amongst the science to see you know, what can be implemented. So in 2022, there were 600 good practices implemented globally. And that's an ongoing program where we work brewery by brewery to say, What are the projects that we could have on the table that's going to help us drive water efficiency? Where do we see it going? And what are the barriers? What works in different locations? It comes back to that again. So if I look at a recent project in South Africa, we put in place a reclamation plant, which is basically reclaiming the water from our wastewater treatment to reuse it in our utilities for cleaning vessels. So really looking at opportunities like that where we reuse water and maximize circularity is a great way of improving efficiency. And for us, you know, things like energy efficiency is also related to water. The less water you use, the more energy efficient you are. So how do you understand these linkages? So innovation is important in terms of saying, you know, what is it that we're doing that's going to really help some of these different factors work together? And how do we leverage it? And we have this great phrase in, in Heineken, we talk about learn, share and reapply. That reapply piece is really important in leveraging the good practices we see in one brewery and applying it somewhere else. And we're seeing the results. So we've improved water efficiency by 34% since 2008. We still have a way to go. We know that there's more for us to do, but there is a very rigorous and systemic, systematic approach that's in place to really drive water efficiency globally. I think it's so great that you're talking about the climate water nexus. We're not gonna solve climate change unless we solve the water crisis. But of course, there are other pressing issues. Could you tell us a little bit about biodiversity and what that means for Heineken? No, very happy to, Adam. And you're absolutely right. That integrated agenda that I talked about for us is really about linking climate, water, circularity, biodiversity, 
and also to the well-being of people. The social agenda is huge when we're talking about all of these issues. And, and one way for me where it comes together really nicely is when we talk about regenerative agriculture, which is obviously a big buzzword, but it is the direction of travel when you're looking to try and balance all of those things in a way that's equitable. So, for example, we've just um, initiated a pilot in Ireland with Pernarica and Beaumont. Um, it's facilitated by Earthworm to look at what practices can we have with farmers that drive regeneration? And we're leveraging common definitions and guidance from, the, from SAI, which is the Sustainable Agriculture Initiative, because a lot of people are using the term regenerative. What it actually means does deserve a bit of scrutiny. So by using common guidelines, I think that's a good way of really trying to understand, you know, what are the practices that lead to regeneration? But at the heart of it, it is about soil health. It's about biodiversity, water, carbon sequestration, and looking at the social dimension. And that's a bit that's the trickiest, because we know with regenerative agriculture that actually incomes dip. That's the reason we don't have more of it. In the first three to seven years, they can dip. So how do you help farmers go through that period and get to a system where all these different things are in balance? So I do think that's the next challenge that's ahead of us, to say, you know, how do you scale regenerative agriculture? Because that is the kind of solution that brings some of those things together. I think the other aspect that's really important for us in our water balancing is how we think about biodiversity there. So the science-based targets for nature actually provide a fantastic framework for how you can start measuring this. So I mentioned the project that we have in Malaysia with restoration of the local river. One of the things they do as they do that is measure biodiversity. How is water quality meaning that we have more species of bugs you can tell I don't know my bugs, otherwise I'd give you a name there. <laughs> but it is about measuring different species to say, are we seeing an increase? Are we seeing an abundance because the water quality is better? So I think biodiversity, like all these things, has to be integrated into existing things we do. And definitely when it comes to a lot of the water balancing programs that we have, we look at biodiversity as well. And I'm very keen to do that in line with the science-based targets for nature and other emerging guidelines as well. Well, before we close out this great conversation, do you have any call to action for our listeners? Oh, yes, very much so. So if you are not part of the Forward Faster Initiative, please join. Um, we really do believe that the only way we're going to meet the target of water positivity in 100 critical water basins is through collective action. So the more people who are part of it, the better. Leverage the resources that are available through the Water Resource Coalition. There's an amazing water hub which allows you to see where you operate and who else is there. The heart of this is collaboration and partnership. So if we are going to get to water positive, that's going to be really important for us. So join, take part, and let's learn from each other. Fantastic. Well, my name is Adam Roy Gordon, and you've just listened to the podcast Moving Business Forward Faster. If you join us for the future episodes, we'll be going through the other thematic areas for the Forward Faster initiative. Thank you again, Sonia. Thank you, Adam. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for listening to Moving Business Forward Faster, a podcast by the United Nations Global Compact. To learn more about Forward Faster, visit forwardfaster.unglobalcompact.org.